Eternal Heavenly Father, we come before your presence right now thanking you, God, for another awesome day that you've made. And we make covenant with you right now that we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Father God, we thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that our Savior got up from the grave with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. And Lord, as we come before your people right now, we pray for wisdom and knowledge from on high. God, let it be none of me, but all of you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I decrease that you may increase at this time. Spirit of living God, have your way. Teach us your word. Teach us your way. In the name of Jesus, we declare victory. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, listen, get a Lord a hand of praise this morning. Wow, what an awesome day. Resurrection Sunday. Because he lives, I don't know about you, but I can face tomorrow. We come to celebrate on this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for joining in with us. I am super excited to have the privilege and the opportunity to be able to share uh, the word of God on this important day. Now listen, before we get into our, uh, our lesson for the day, this is our communion Sunday, and we want to uh, ask you to uh, join us at the end of this message. Uh, grab you a cracker, a, a piece of bread, which is representative of the Lord's body, and the fruit of the vine with its grape juice and orange juice uh, is symbolic of the blood that was shed for us out on Calvary's Hill. So I'm going to ask you to prepare that, and we will, at the end of this service, we will take communion virtually together. Amen. So it is awesome to have you here with us today. Now, if you got your Bibles, guys, I want you to turn with me. We're going to go back to the book of Acts, the 27th chapter. On last week, we left off uh, uh, covering the last of Philippians chapter number two. And we know that the Apostle Paul is the writer of the letter to the saints at Philippi. He writes that letter from a Roman jail cell. He writes that letter and he, he begins to pen it to encourage the saints at Philippi. Now, as I said before, Paul had a single mind. He was so single-minded that even while he was in jail, he decided to write to encourage somebody else. And it takes a single-minded focus to do that. Would you agree with me? So Paul writes this letter to Philippi, to the church at Philippi from a Roman jail cell to encourage them. And in his second chapter where we completed, we talked, first chapter talked about joy and suffering. Because sometimes we as believers don't want to go through anything. We as believers don't want to suffer through anything, but if we're going to reign with Christ, we got to be willing to suffer with them also. So Paul in that Roman jail cell was embodying what it means as a believer to suffer with Christ because of your testimony. Second chapter, he deals with joy in serving. And so uh, he goes down through that. He gives us an example of two brothers, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who were very uh, uh, most helpful uh, guys in helping to, to, to push the, the ministry work out that Paul was trying to get conveyed to all of those who he came in contact with. So Timothy and Epaphroditus were Paul's faithful servants. But Paul, amen, uh, learned how uh, to, to be a, a, a minister for Christ and learn how to maintain his character and to maintain confidence in the middle of a crisis. So we left off, amen, with our subtopic on last week, character and confidence in a crisis. Now, one thing I told you on last week, and, and, and please remember this. We said, number one, uh, the Bible teaches us that there are three kinds of storms or three kinds of crises that enter our lives. The first storm that we have is the storms that we bring on ourselves. 
Now, I don't know about you. There have been times in my life where I've done some stuff uh, that wasn't that wasn't right, that wasn't in line with God's will. Or I made a decision without fully praying through that decision. And as a result of my not praying through that decision and as a result of me not doing what uh, uh, what what Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs says in three, five, six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There have been times, guys, I'm going to be honest, that I didn't pray situations through. I didn't pray decisions all the way through. And as a result, there were times where I ended up in a storm. That was something that I brought on myself because I didn't wait on the Lord. So storms, uh, there are some that we bring on ourselves. There are storms or there are crises that God causes. Amen? And he does do that. You go back and read in the Old Testament how he dealt with his children in Israel as he was trying to... Uh, prep them and trying to get them to the point to where they would be uh, the nation that birthed the Savior into the earth realm. So he brought some, some storms, some crises in their life trying to get them to be where they need to be. So some storms, some crises are caused by God. And thirdly, some storms come from other people. They cause those storms in our life. So we look at this uh, Acts, the 27th chapter. We're going to look back at the Apostle Paul because Apostle Paul here in this text goes through a literal storm. A weather storm. Well, let's see if we can learn some lessons and let's see if we can learn how to have character and confidence in a crisis. Character and confidence in the midst of a crisis situation. We as believers during this crisis situation that we're going through right now with this global pandemic, we should be a light that's shining in this dark world. We should be a light, amen, that's shining so brightly that people will come to us and say, why aren't you scared? Why aren't you wigging out? Why aren't you just, you know, just running around fearful? Well, we need to be able to tell them that, yeah, we're going to use precautionary measures, but one thing we will not do is allow fear to overtake us. Because we realize, the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? So that very same Apostle Paul, who was in the Roman jail, who, who had been beaten, who had been uh, ostracized because of his stand for Christ, he knew how to have character and confidence in the middle of a crisis. So the 27th chapter of the book of Acts is where we're going to jump off into it right quick. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 9 of this 27th chapter. Acts chapter 27, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 9. The Bible says, uh, we had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Now, mind you, let's get some context around this. The Apostle Paul is now, at this point in this story here, he is a prisoner. He's being transported to Rome. Now, Paul always wanted to get to Rome to share the gospel, but I would surmise, and I would, I would, as I use my spiritual imagination, I don't think he wanted to get to Rome by being a prisoner. Can I get a witness? Sometimes in our life, guys, guys God will, will, will move us to where he needs us to be, but the method by which he moves us there may not be something that we would choose on our own. Has anybody been there before? God moved you to a different place, and you were not have chosen that route to get to where God had you. But now that you got there, you can look back over your life and say, you know what, God? I see your hand in the midst of that problematic situation that caused me to be here. I see your hand 
in the middle of that crisis situation that I went through, but I, I didn't understand what you were doing then, but now that I got more insight, I got more revelation, I see your hand at work in my life. So Paul, uh, being a prisoner here, uh, the text says here, Paul spoke to the ship's officers about the, the, the inclement weather. Now, again, we, we delayed our broadcast this morning because there was tornado warnings in the area. But I thank God that the storm has passed over. I thank God that we got out of the hallways and now we're sitting here sharing the message of God with you on this resurrecting Sunday. Character and confidence in a crisis. The text says in verse number 10, let's read together. Let's go. It says what? Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Verse number 11, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than Paul. Now watch this. He listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Sometimes in your life, guys, you may be sounding along. You may be uh, sharing some information that's vitally important. But because you don't hold a certain title, people ignore you. One thing about it, here's what I've understood in my life. If you are speaking God's truth, I don't care what position you hold, be, be confident that the Lord is speaking to you, first of all. But begin to share those things that God is placing in your spirit. We're going to see here that because of this authority figures uh, uh, choosing to ignore Paul's warning, which was coming from God, they're going to find themselves in a storm. They're going to find themselves in a crisis situation. The text says in the next verse, let's read, it says what? Uh, and since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and a northwest exposure. Verse number 13, let's read. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. Now watch this. A light wind began blowing from the south. They're like, oh, this is good. It's going to, we can set our sails and this wind is going to take us to our destination. But mind you, the man of God, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told him, we don't need to take this journey. There is danger ahead. Let me tell you something. It's good when you, as a born-again believer, are connected with a church family where you got a leader, a man of God, woman of God, who, who can speak prophetically in your life and share with you, amen, God's warnings can share with you what God's uh, word says and not afraid to speak truth. There are, there are many pastoral leaders and in, 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 in many church leaders who are afraid to speak truth because of blowback they may get from those in the audience. But I'm here to tell you, I'd much rather obey God than to obey man. I'd much rather, amen, speak what God's word says than to get to heaven at the beam of judgment to Christ and have God dress me down because I didn't tell you the truth because you look ugly at me on Sunday morning. I'm going to speak the truth of God's word. And Paul did that, but they ignored his uh, warning. So the text says it. When the light began to blow on the side, where they, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. Now watch this. Let, let, let's stop right here, and I want to begin to, to, to put some things in your, in, in your ear gate right now. They, they wanted to get beyond this particular port here where they were because they were impatient. God put the apostle Paul as a prisoner on board a ship headed from Palestine to Rome. And, and, and again, when we see that a ship sailed through the Mediterranean Sea and docked at the Isle of Crete. Now, any of you study your Bible know in the book of Titus that, that Crete was a very special place. It was a place where a ground, uh, you know, where, where the Bible says in the book of Titus that there were some, uh, some very unusual and troublesome people there in the Isle of Crete. 
And so we, we get a chance, go, go back and look at Titus, the first chapter. We don't have time to go to this morning. But the sailors became impatient. Everybody say impatient. They became impatient. Now, impatience, I've discovered in my life, oftentimes gets us in trouble. I said impatience can get us in trouble. When we allow ourselves to become impatient, we find ourselves faith with Christ's situation quite often. Amen. Now, watch this. Watch this. Uh, well, you say, but pastor, well, how, how do I, how do, you know, when I find myself in the middle of, of a storm and, and when, I, when I find myself uh, in trouble, how, how, how can I get some patience so that I don't allow my impatience to cause me to be in a crisis situation? I want you to go with me to the book of James chapter number one, because all of us need some patience, right? If you had to stand in line uh, during uh, uh, you know, a trip to the grocery store recently, then you, you probably uh, had to have some patience, right? Um, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that we're having to adapt and do things differently during this, during this global outbreak. And I think our witness and our testimony for Christ can shine brightly during this period of time. But our patience is going to be tested. I need to see the hand of everybody out there who's had difficulty sometimes being patient. Anybody in the house? Impatience can cause us to make a choice or a decision that is not to our benefit. Uh, I was laughing at my wife. Uh, you know, we, it, it, it's, it's kind of ironic during this period of time. It's hard to find tissue and paper towels. I mean, you go to the store. I've been, I've been checking for the last four or five days, and every time I go into the shelf, it's just totally empty. Um, and um, so my wife had the, the good idea to go online and buy some paper towels. And, and she looked it up, and online it looked good. Online, those paper towels looked like, you know, they were just like the bounty and the bronze that we normally, the quicker picker-upper, you know, the, the bounty paper towel. But when those towels came in, come on, I'm talking about the impatience. Sometimes we move a little bit quicker. Now, she, she's doing her due diligence. We have enough at home, but she want to stay ahead. If you know my wife, she likes to stay ahead. She likes to have more than enough. I just like when we fix food for company. We don't fix food just for the five people that's coming. We fix food in case somebody happened to drop by, in case we want to eat the rest of the week. So my wife, she, she rather, she's like me. I'd rather have more than enough than not enough. But she ordered these paper towels, and we got we made, we made We made fun of it. I think the brand name was Genuine Joe or something. And those paper towels were so thin you could actually see through them. Uh, they were not what we were accustomed to. And sometimes in the midst of our uh, impatience to get things, we can make choices and decisions. Now, we're going to use those paper towels, and, and, and we have been using them a little bit, but they're not what we were accustomed to. But patience has to come in our life because if not, we, our impatience will drive us like these guys were who were on the ship. Uh, these sailors drive you to make a decision that can lead you into the midst of a storm. Watch what James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 says. And we'll look at from, let's look at it from the King James Version of the scripture. For the KJV James chapter 1 verse number 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. That's what that means. Diverse temptations is another word for various trials. Knowing this, that, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh or produces what? Patience. But let patience have a perfect work, full effect, that you may be perfect and entire, in other words, mature and complete, wanting or lacking in nothing. 
The text says that James does not say if we face trials, did he? It did not say, it says, it, he says, he says, when we face them. That lets me know that as a born again believer, I can book it. I can mark it down. It is a fact of life that if you are born again, you're going to face some trials in life. Book it. You're going to face some trials. He didn't say if, but he said what? When. He says when. He says when. He says when. But count it all joy. He's letting us know that trials or tests are not optional, but that it's possible for us to profit or to benefit from those tests. Whether our trial, our storm of our crisis is a physical one, an emotional one, uh, a relational one, or even during this period of time, a financial one. God wants us to be joyful because one of the primary methods he uses to make us like Christ is by sending or allowing troubles or trials to come into our life. Now, I know we don't like to hear that. Nobody in their natural bent likes a trial. But one thing I've, I've, I've started doing in my life is, is whenever I'm facing a crisis, a problematic situation, or a test, I want to know, God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to learn from this? And how do you want me to respond to this? Because I want to become more like Christ. Now, just, if, if you're right taking notes, just jot this in right there. This is something on the sermon notes. But I want you to remember this. A trial is a divinely ordained difficulty that God causes or he permits so that he can grow us and help conform us into the image of his dear son. When you look at the uh, book of Romans, the 8th chapter, let's go to Romans chapter number 8 and look at verses 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And we'll read that one from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter number 8, verses 28 and 29. So God divinely orchestrates trials or tests because he's trying to work on us. As I tell you all the time, uh, your teachers in school gave you tests not to punish you. Come on. They gave you tests so that they, you could see where you were and, and, and so that you can know and the teacher can know whether or not you're ready to go to the next grade level. That's why we take tests in life. T- tests and trials come to, to prove us, come on, to test us, to see if we are where God wants us to be. And if not, he's going to send some more trials. Here's the good part about God. He'll keep sending trials and tests. Now, if you keep flunking those tests, guess what? There's no social promotion in God. He don't just move you along. Well, he don't flunk 15 times, so I guess what? Let's just move on and get him on out of here. No, 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 no. He's going to keep giving you tests until you learn how to pass. Amen. He's going to keep giving you tests until you learn how to pass. Watch the text. Because he's, he's trying to do something with us, guys. He says, and we know that God calls everything to work together for our good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. Watch what that text says. It didn't say we're guessing. It did not say uh, uh, it's, it, we're contemplating. It says, and we know, Paul, the writer of this text, writing to the saints at Rome, says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. God will take incidences that have happened in our life and he'll put it together with something else 
and work it together for our good. Look at the next verse. Why is he doing that? Verse number 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them what? To become like his son. He chose us to become how? Like his son. So that his son will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God desires for us to become like his sons. God uses trials, guys, to develop us spiritually. I know we don't like to hear that, but that's why trials come. That's why tests come. He said again in James, count it all joy. Again, the second chapter of Philippians talks about joy in serving. Now, I got to ask you a question. How many of y'all sitting out there listening to me now have had times when you've been connected with a local church ministry and you didn't have joy in serving? Come on, let's, let's be honest. Uh, there, there were times maybe you were frustrated about something. That maybe there was time you, you were crossways with another church member. And even though you were coming, you didn't have joy. As a matter of fact, you couldn't even hide. It was all over your face. You came to church looking like this. And, and that ugly look on your face was indicated, indicating what was going on on the inside of you. Guys, let me tell you something. Paul learned how to have character and confidence in crisis. Because even while sitting in that Roman jail, he had joy in serving his master while incarcerated, guys. So, so, uh, so count it all joy when we fall into various places. So that's how patience is going to come. Patience is going to come when God sends tests our way. And the more we pass those tests, the Bible says when we let, when we let, when we have patience or endurance have its perfecting work. We're going to find ourselves not lacking. So patience is trying to work us to the point to where we can be more and more like Christ. When Christians are in a crisis, God is, is, is performing what I'm going to call an extreme makeover on us. How many of y'all um, uh, ever watched that TV series, Extreme Makeover, where they go in and, and, and look at these houses and some of those houses looked a mess before they go through that makeover process, right? Is that right? And, 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 and many of us, likewise, just like those houses, how many of y'all at some point in time in your life, you were a hot mess? Oh, come on, raise your hand out there. How many of y'all were, were a hot mess? You know, Paul was a hot mess before he got saved. His name was Saul, and he was changing the road to Damascus, and he, he began to run hard for Christ. But before that, that dude was something else. And many of us out there, and some, some of y'all, if you're really honest, there have been times since you've been saved, you were a hot mess. Because you were not being transformed into the express image of God's dear son. Amen? So, when, so, so many of us, again, need an extreme makeover. Amen? Uh, we were messed up before Jesus, amen, came into our hearts and began to perfect us, to begin to cull out some things that shouldn't have been. Hardships, guys can transform us into something special. So even as we go through what we're going through now, I, listen, I, I just, all I've said is, God, I, yo, I want you to do what only you can do. And you, you know exactly what's happening. Your prophetic time clock is still ticking. And Lord, we trust you that in the midst of this, you're still at work. Amen? See, we can have joy in the midst of a crisis. We can maintain character and confidence when we're going through, not because of the pain, but because of the purpose behind it. I want to repeat that. We, we can maintain character 
and confidence when we're going through, not because of the pain, but because of the purpose behind it. If we're really honest, guys, there are some painful situations that can sometimes happen in our lives. The death of a loved one can be very painful. And we may not understand it. But, but there's a purpose behind it. Maybe you went to a difficult time on your job and, and, and maybe God used that to try to get your attention, to put your focus back on him. Uh, there was a purpose behind it. I remember, guys, uh, when I was playing uh, collegiate football over at Louisiana Tech in Ruston, and this was back in the day, guys, when uh, we'd have to persevere, persevere through two-a-days. Any of y'all remember two-a-days? Any athletes out there remember two-a-days? They don't even allow two-a-days anymore. In other words, we would practice twice a day and sometimes three times a day because we would have a workout in between the practices. And those, those two-a-days were very grueling, and it was hot, and it was humid, in that August heat, and to survive it, in order to survive those two days, you had to mentally focus on the purpose behind the pain that you were experiencing and not just the pain that you were going through. The purpose behind it was to make sure that we were in shape. The purpose behind it was to get us, get us prepared for the season. The purpose behind it was so that in the fourth quarter, uh, in the ball game, when the other team is getting tired, we're still growing strong and be able to push through and win the ball game. So you had to keep that in mind as you went through that painful process. Now, guys, sometime in our own life as believers, God is sending us through, quote, two-a-days. He's sending us through some stuff to prepare us to be like his son, to get us ready, amen, for victory in this life. Now, I want you to go with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, because we said impatience can get us into a crisis. And, and, and I'm, I want to talk in just a few minutes of what not to do in a crisis. In this scenario uh, that, we, that we see here in our text in Acts, they did something, and I think we can learn from it. Acts, I mean, Hebrews 10, chapter, verse number 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35, from the King James Version of the Scripture. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says this. Watch this. Listen very carefully. It says what? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. In other words, cast not away, therefore, your what? Confidence. He's talking to the church. He says that confidence that you have in Christ Jesus has a recompense, a repayment of reward. You'll be rewarded for having confidence and faith in Christ Jesus. Remember what Hebrew says? Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God has to believe that God is and that God is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Verse 36, watch this. Listen to this very carefully because our impatience sometimes causes us to make a decision that gets us end up in a crisis. Our impatience would cause us to make a financial decision that leaves us burdened with debt when in actuality, had we been patient enough to wait on God, he would have made a way for us to get that thing. But no, 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 we couldn't wait. Somebody else down the street got one, so I'm going to get one too. And we go and put ourselves in a bind because of our impatience. Look what it says. For you have need of patience that after you have, watch this, after you have done the will of God. 
you might receive the promise. Look at it again. Let's read it again. For you have need of what? You have need of what? I can't hear y'all out there. You have need of what? Patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might do what? Receive the promise. You have need of patience. These scriptures come just before uh, in Hebrews, the long list of heroes of the faith listed in in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which illustrates confidence and endurance, which is the same thing as patience. They, those heroes of the faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, they endured and they received the promise. These testimonies are written and given to us to build hope and encourage us in times of trials and times of crisis in this world. Trials of this world can be found in relationships. How many of y'all have had a relationship trial before? Listen, if, if you've dealt with people, I don't care who they are, any prolonged period of time, your relationship, if it's genuine, if it's honest, there will be times when you go through a trial. We, we talk about marriage relationship all the time. Even church member to church member relationship. When you're doing life together in a transparent way with fellow church members, there will be times you will not disagree. Don't take your Bible and run and go home. Learn how to have confidence and character in the midst of a problematic situation and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to restore those broken relationships. We can have trials in relationships. We can have trials uh, in our finances. We can have trials with sickness and disease and just trials with, with world events, things that are happening that are outside of our control. But how do we have confidence in the middle of that stuff? How can we still have peace? Jesus says something in John 16 and 33. I'm going to read it to you. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Amen. In the world, look at what Jesus says to the disciples in John, I think it's John 16 and 33. He says, in the world, you shall have what? Tribulation. Watch what Jesus says. He says, in the world, you shall have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. Now, if Jesus is telling us we're going to have some stuff that happens to us in life, but the very same time, be of good cheer. He says what? I have what? Overcome the world. So if he has overcome the world and I stay planted in him, he's overcome the world. And because I'm in him, I can overcome the world. I'm an overcomer. Everybody repeat me say, I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Now, now, now God, God is... I want you to understand something, guys. We talk about character in crisis and a uh, character in Christ, character and confidence in a crisis. Understand this: Paul exemplified and embodied what it means to to remain consistently constant. He remained steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul, in the midst of everything that he went through in in sharing the gospel, did not change. Because Paul, Paul really embodied that verse of scripture that he quoted. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Now listen, 
How many of you out there today can say, you know, but pastor, there's some areas in my life, some stuff I need to get, I need to crucify. Some stuff I need to kill. How many of y'all need to kill some attitude? How many of you need to kill some bad habits? How many of you need to kill just, just your mindset and the way you think about life? Crucify it and let Christ Jesus live through you because he wants to have the preeminent place in your life. Now watch, watch this. God is very much interested in what we do on a day-to-day basis. If his power is strong enough to defeat sin and raise his son from the dead, then surely he can help deliver us from the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. One writer put it this way, and I like what she said. She says, we are not saved, watch this, we are not saved because we endured the trials of life. We endure because we had enough confidence in God to ask him for his help. See, in our weakness, Christ becomes strong. Because, listen, God wants to live through us. Amen? Endurance or patience is really evidence of genuine faith. When you find people who are very impatient, who are very uh, rude and intolerable, there's something wrong with their faith. Pure faith will show up in you being a person of endurance and patience. So in our text in the book of Acts, these guys got into trouble, guys. And I'm not going to read all the text, but they got in trouble because of their impatience. Now, what should we not do in a crisis? Go back to Acts 27, chapter. What should we not do in a crisis? Because we know that impatience can lead us to make some choice and decisions that are not correct, uh, that are not good for us, right? Acts 15, chapter, verse uh, Acts the 27 chapter, excuse me, verse 15 through 17. What not to do in the Christ? First thing is, is don't drift. Don't move away from your foundational principles. Don't drift. Look at what the text says here. As we look at Acts the 27 chapter, verse number 15. We'll, we'll read it from the NLT. It says this. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Now watch this. Remember, they started out, they said, oh, this is a good wind. Let's catch up and let's go behind this wind, a soft wind coming. But then now they find themselves in the midst of a storm because, see, the man of God had told them, don't go. How many times you've come to church and heard a message that spoke to your situation and you left, got your Bible, went home and ignored everything that word says? Pastor gave a word on financial principles. But you ignored him and said, I got this. I I can do it my way. And and I know what the word of God says, but you know what? I'm going to fix this because I don't need no man to tell me what to do. Let me tell you something. God puts people in our lives, amen, to drop words of revelation into our life to help us get to where we need to be. And so if you're part of any local church congregation, if you don't have any if you don't have trust and confidence in your in, in, the, in your spiritual leader, you better go somewhere where you can get confidence in that spiritual leader and receive it. And don't be don't don't lack confidence because you all messed up. Sometimes people lead because they messed up. But there are times, guys, when we need to make sure that we are taking heed to what the word of God is saying through the, our God's representative to us here on earth. They couldn't turn the ship to the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Verse 16 says what? Let's read we sail along the shattered side of a small island named Cardia, where with great difficulty we ho- hoisted aboard the lifeboat 
being towed behind us. Verse number 17, watch this. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They, they tied ropes around it to keep it from breaking apart, guys. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of cities off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Now, guys, again, don't drift. What you shouldn't do in a crisis is begin to drift. The first thing that storms or crises tend to do is cause us to drift. We let go of our goals. We let go of the word of God. We forget about what God promised us and begin to operate out of our flesh. Don't drift. Don't, don't turn loose the foundation. We forget where we're headed. We, for, we forget our values and we start drifting. You know, that, that's what happens sometimes when we have confrontation with people. And y'all ever had confrontation with a loved one? I need, I need some, I need some, I, if y'all out there, I need some heads being, if you, if you've had confrontation with loved ones, confrontation with coworkers, confrontation or disagreement with church members, do you drift away from your foundational principle of being a man or woman of character and confidence? And do you start cussing folk out? In the name of, I'm going to tell them what's on my mind. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Keep that peace, baby, because the way you acting, you ain't got very much in there. How are you going to respond? Listen to me carefully. God is watching us and how we handle problematic situation. Don't drift. Don't move away from the foundational teaching that you've been brought up on in the church. A crisis, listen carefully, a crisis does not make a person. A crisis shows what a person is made of and it ends and it tends to bring out, bring true leadership to the forefront. I said it before and I said it again, I don't really know what you really believe and what you stand on until you have to go through something. I don't really know that you believe this Bible and that you would do what it says until you test it. Until I make, say something to make you mad, then now you're going home and have me for dinner. You know, people love to go home and have the pastor for dinner. Sit around the dinner table and talk about the pastor. But you know what? This, that comes to the territory. I, listen, if, if what I say challenges you to think about how you're living, go home and talk about me and come back and let's read out the scripture. I'm going to show you what the word of God says and the word of God is going to guide our preaching. But there, there are some who, when they get in the midst of a crisis, they drift away from the foundational teaching. Paul gently rebuked the centurion, the pilot and the captain for ignoring his warning. And soon they would discover that God and spared all of them because of Paul. How many of you know sometimes that company stayed afloat because you're there? That thing didn't go down because God was preserving it because you were there. So don't, when, when you face a crisis, don't drift. Don't go away from what you know is to be truth and what's right and how you are to respond. Second thing is, in a crisis, this is how not that. Don't discard. Don't throw away things that, 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 are, that, are, that, are, that are actually instrumental and helping you get to where God wants you to be. Look at the 18th and the 19th chapter. Don't discard. Watch this. When a crisis emerges for us, first we, if we're not careful, we'll start drifting, and then we'll start discarding things from our life. Specifically with these sailors, it was first the cargo, then the ships tackled, and eventually the food, and finally they went overboard. 
The next day, as the gale force wind continued to battle the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. They're discarding stuff. See, when you're going through a crisis, don't remove people out of your life who can help you get through the crisis. The Bible says this. Watch this. And here's what we'll do. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Repeat that when we say faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Guys, I'm I'm here to tell you that when you're going through a crisis and somebody speaks truth in your life, don't run from that person who's giving you truth. You need him in your life. You need somebody in your life who will tell you the truth and not sugarcoat stuff. Speak the truth in love, the Bible tells us. Amen? Don't discard. So they start throwing stuff overboard. Oftentimes, when we find ourselves in a crisis of life, we are tempted to throw out the very things that are important to us, the values that we've held on to in times past. And we, be, we, just, we, we become impulsive, and we just go and do stuff that, that's not really even indicative of who we really are. In the midst of this crisis, there have been some Christians who've done some things that don't represent who they are. Amen. So don't discard those values and don't despair. Don't get so discouraged that you give up. The third thing that the sailors did was they gave up hope. Whatever you're going through, don't give up hope. Everybody said, don't give up hope. In an extreme crisis, guys, we eventually get to the point of despair and give up hope if we're not grounded in the word of God. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I believe the word of God is true and the Bible does not lie. And so as a believer, if I'm going to be able to handle my crisis situation and have character and confidence in the midst of that crisis, I cannot afford to turn my eyes away from this word. I can't allow those thoughts that are coming to take up residence in my mind and get down in my heart. How do you know it's in your heart? Because it'll start coming out of your mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. We speak what's in our heart. When you get full and it's down on the inside, it's going to come out. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. So don't despair, guys, when you're going through a problem situation. Be like the Apostle Paul. He was single-minded. He had a submissive mind, and he did not allow the circumstance or the situation to get on the inside of him. Paul's reaction to the crisis was totally different from that of the sailors on board the ship. He was calm. He didn't get out of character. He remained confident. He remained confident. One test of our Christianity is how we handle a crisis. See, I want somebody rolling with me who know how to handle a crisis. I don't want somebody rolling with me who, when we get in the middle of something, they they, they, they turn and go back the other way. I need somebody who's going to stand strong in faith. It's easier to live like a Christian when things are going great, when all of our prayers are being answered, when we're in good health, when our income is rising. But the test of our faith is when the problems come and when we are tempted to despair, to get discouraged, to give up hope, to drift, and to discard the things that are really important in our life. Character, hear me carefully. I want you to repeat this with me. Say character. Oh, I can't hear y'all out there. Say character is revealed 
in a crisis. It's not made in a crisis, guys. It's revealed in a crisis. Who you are is going to come out when you're in a stressful, problematic trial, a storm, or in a crisis. That's the real you. You can't, you can't become a person of integrity and confidence when you get in there. You got to be that before. And that's why our day-to-day living, our day-to-day decision-making begins to build character and begins to build confidence and begins to build faith in us. It's amazing how sometimes as Christians, we try to conjure up faith when we get in the middle of a crisis, when, when, when we don't see the answer. Faith has to be built up on a daily basis. The Bible says faith coming by and hearing by what? The word of God. So we got to make sure that every day, every little decision that we make, realize that that's prepping us for the crisis that's, that's bound to come our way. So, 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 so when we look at these things, we say character is revealed in a crisis. It's not made in a crisis. Character is made in our day-to-day decision and the choices that we make routinely as we go about doing life. So character is developed there, but but, but it's revealed when we get into a shipwreck, when we get into a crisis, when we get into a storm, in a situation that threatens to take us out. So question for you, why was Paul so confident? We're talking about Paul. We're studying the book of Philippians. Why was Paul so confident? Well, because he knew, he understood, and he embodied three foundational truths that served as an anchor for his soul. And you got to have something that's going to anchor your soul in times like this. Okay? You got to be sure that you're born again. You got to be sure that you know Christ. You got to be sure that God will come through for you. And see, what I've discovered is many Christians, and I believe that people are born again, but I think we have a church full of babies who are not growing spiritually, who are not being discipled. And when you're not being discipled, when a storm hits, it becomes readily available. It, it becomes readily apparent to everybody that you, you have not been discipled. Jesus told us to go and make disciples. And disciple making requires time. It requires commitment. And do you not know the average person wants to come to church and get out as soon as they can get out? Disciple making requires time. It, it requires commitment beyond Sunday morning. So let's look at some foundational truths, if you will that can give us confidence in a crisis. Number one, we need to understand and know that we have God's presence. Everybody say God's presence. Oh, you can say it loud. Come on out there. Say God's presence. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five. God's presence. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse number five, the text says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Watch what it says. Don't lo- How many of y'all like money? That's okay to like it because you need to live. But the love of money is what? The root of all evil. He says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has what? Said, I will I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. The KJV says, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that means that even in the midst of this pandemic, if I belong to God, he is still there with me. He won't leave me 
or forsake me. He won't abandon me. Let's, let's go to another passage. Go to John 14 and 16 right quick. John 14 and 16. Let's look it up right quick. John 14 and 16. Glory to God. Paul knew that he had God's presence with him. Look at what he says. And this is Jesus talking on this resurrected Sunday. He's preparing his guys before he ascends back up into heaven. And he says, and I will ask the Father, glory to God, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Who will never leave you. He's given us a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is there with us. A paraclete, the, the Greek word paraclete is one who's called alongside to help us. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, even though I'm going and ascending back up in heaven to be seated on the right hand of the Father, I'm going to send the personification of God by way of his Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's there with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So we have God's presence with us. Amen. The second foundation of truth that Paul knew and understood and allowed him to have character and confidence in a crisis is he understood God's purpose. Everybody say God's purpose. God told Paul, I have a plan for your life. You are on board this ship because I have a purpose for your life that is greater than the temporary crisis or storm that you're in. He had a purpose for him. I like where even with Abraham, when he told Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, then he challenged Abraham. He tested his faith by telling him, go and offer your only son Isaac on the altar. Now, see, Abraham knew and understand God's purpose. How in the world, pray tell me, can you be the father of many nations if the son that God said he's going to help you and make you be the father of many nations through is dead? So Abraham, in his mind's eye, the Bible said he saw God having to raise his son from the dead because he had a promise from God that his purpose in life was to be the father of many nations. Man, that's strong faith. That's, that's understanding God's purpose. When you understand God's purpose, guys, it'll keep you in, in your place of, of honor and integrity. And you can have character and confidence in the midst of a storm. God has a specific and purpose and plan for your life. I don't care who you are. If you are his child, he has purpose for you. You may feel, you may be, you may sometimes feel like, but you know, what can I offer? Listen, there is something that as long as you have breath in your body, you have something to offer. God has gifted us with spiritual giftings, and he wants to utilize us until the day we die. So understand this, he has specific purpose and plan for our life. Storms and crises are simply temporary setbacks toward fulfilling that purpose. And God will use those storms to, to help us get to where we need to be. Amen. Absolutely nothing can change God's ultimate purpose for your life unless you choose to disobey him. I'm going to say that again. Absolutely nothing can change God's ultimate purpose for your life unless you choose to disobey him. If you choose to reject his plan, he will allow you to do that. But the scriptures teach that no Outside person can change God's plan for your life. God leaves that up to you. You can either accept it or you can reject it. You're a free moral agent. God won't make you do his will. Now, he'll orchestrate circumstances to get you to see his will and to come to that understanding, but you got to choose. 
Raise your hand and say, I got to choose. Glory to God. So, so, so here's the point. Here's the point. Uh, God's purpose is greater than any situation that you'll ever experience. And God has a plan beyond the problem that you may be facing right now. It's dangerous to focus on your problems more than on your purpose. It's dangerous to focus more on your problems than on your purpose for living. If you do that, guys, you'll start drifting and you'll start discarding those things that are, that are, new, that are near and dear to, to your growth as a born-again believer. So Paul, number one, we said what Paul, what Paul was able to have character and confidence in Christ because he was assured of God's presence. Second thing was he understood God's purpose for his life. And lastly, guys, he understood God's promise. Look at Acts the 27 chapter, verse number 25. He understood God's promise, God's promise. Acts 27, verse number 25. This shipwreck occurred. It occurred because they were impatient. They got outside of God's will. They didn't follow God's man. And sometime in our life, guys, when we, when we reject God's will, reject God's representative, because, listen, if you belong to any church body, God puts pastors, he gives you pastors according to his own heart. If you got a good pastoral leader, appreciate him. Uh, love on them, okay? Uh, because that pastoral leader can keep you out of a whole lot of trouble if you'll listen to him. I love all of y'all, but I know some of the EBC members can be hard-headed. Yes, EBC, you listen to me, you can be hard-headed. Hard-headedness comes from when you, here's, here's how you know you're hard-headed. You can know what's been taught in the scripture regarding whatever area of your life, finances, marriages, relationships, work, and you can know what it says, and you can be taught from the word of God, but you refuse to do it. My folks used to call that hard-headed. And my folks, y'all know the old saying said, a hard head makes what? Soft behind, yeah. And some of y'all behind soft because you've been hard-headed. You ignored God's will and his word. Now watch what the text says here. So we got God's promise. So take courage. Look at what Paul says. For I believe God. It will be just as he said. How many of y'all out there can say, I believe God, and it's going to be just like God said? God's word has to take such a preeminent place in our heart that we don't, we don't care what's going on around us. We're going to trust that his word is true, and he's going to bring it to pass. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he watches over his word to do what? To perform it. Now, as that close, listen, listen real carefully. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, was obedient unto death. On this resurrected Sunday, I don't want you to forget that. The way that we get to God and have a relationship with him is we come through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So if I'm going to get to the Father, I got to go through the, the Son, the Savior, the sacrificial offering that was given for us out on Calvary's Hill. Jesus had confidence and character in a crisis. You're unjustly accused. March from judgment hall to judgment hall. Crucified on an old rugged cross. Buried in a barbed tomb. Resurrected the third day morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. That very same Jesus had a crisis situation. And I like what he said. You Bible readers remember the time when he was in the print in the Garden of Gethsemane. Basically what he said was, Lord, if there's any other way for us to get this accomplished, let this cup 
this cup of crucifixion, this cup of separation from you, pass from me. But notice what he said. He says, but nevertheless, how many of y'all got some nevertheless faith out there? It takes nevertheless faith to have character and confidence in the crisis. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus accepted his assignment. And he was a man of integrity, honor, and confidence. He was fully God, yet he was fully man. And he went to the cross to die for our sins. God gave him as a sacrificial offering so that any person who wants to have a personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion. Religion is boring. I want relationship. I want a vibrant, live relationship where I can talk to my heavenly father and he can speak to me and we can commune together. Jesus was the ultimate example of a man who had character and confidence in a crisis. So God's presence, God's purpose, and God's promise. Won't you bow me for a word of prayer?